Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 chapter 11 romans hopefully you're there as we continue through the book of romans just want to remind you we're dealing with the subject of israel we've been dealing with justification by faith as we began Romans. We saw how everybody's depraved, moved into justification by faith. That was a thing, by the way, that opened up Martin Luther's eyes to what the gospel really was. And then we moved into a little bit of sanctification there. In chapter 8, we saw a remarkable chapter where we have no condemnation in Christ, and we also, there is no separation as the chapter ends. Now getting into chapter 9, we started with Israel on the subject of Israel. 9, 10, and 11 deal with the subject of Israel. And the question always comes up, why is Israel coming off the heels of chapter 8? It looks kind of out of place, but yet when you think about it, it is not out of place because in the Gospel we have these incredible promises and you've got a church that's made up of Jewish and Gentile believers, primarily Gentiles at this time. And as the church is made up of Jews and Gentiles, there's far and large, Israel has rejected the Messiah. And still to this day, the majority of Jews do not receive Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So the question that Paul was anticipating was, what about God's promises to Israel? If God makes promises to us, what about Israel? Have they not fallen to the ground? And Paul begins in 9 with laying a foundation saying, no, God's word has not failed. God's promises will not fail. And so he brings up the subject of Israel in light of God's sovereignty. So if you were to read chapter 9, you could look to the subject being God's sovereignty and Israel's election. God chose Israel as the people to bring forth His Word and the promised Messiah. And the many blessings that are attached to that. When you get into chapter 10, as you get into 10, you're seeing Israel's rejection. So we've got God's sovereignty and Israel's rejection. God's not out of control. Israel continued to persist in their unbelief. And now when you move into chapter 11, we're seeing God's sovereignty and Israel's salvation. And that's the good news. I think if we were to look at a modern miracle today, Israel is the greatest modern miracle that ever existed. Because you're looking at a nation that ceased to exist, and now all of a sudden, they're back on the map in history since 1948, declared a nation again, And what's encouraging about these chapters is that God will not break His promises. Look at Israel. Look at Israel. And so Israel's an important subject, one of 
the highest importance in the Scriptures. We see that God's plans with Israel are not done yet, and they need to continue moving forward. So where we saw Israel's past in chapter 9, and we saw Israel's present in chapter 10, we're going to see Israel's future in chapter 11. And Paul begins by declaring that has God finished with Israel? Look at verse 1. I asked then, has God rejected His people? And he says, by no means. This is how this chapter begins. And so he begins to unfold the first point of God's preservation of Israel. When we look at God's sovereignty and we think about God's power and His rulership and His ability to accomplish His promises and everything coming through His people, we can look at Israel and we can say absolutely that God has preserved His people. That we can look today, 2,000 years later, and see that God has preserved His people. But he says, by no means. God has not rejected His people. And he gives a personal testimony. There's nothing like a personal testimony. Paul basically says, look, I'm an Israelite. He says, by no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, I was an Israelite, and not just an Israelite, but an Israelite to the bone. So he gives personal testimony saying that if God was done with Israel, I wouldn't even be saved today. Then he moves in and gives a scriptural testimony of God's preservation as he says in verse 2, God has not rejected His people whom He foreknew. There's that word again, foreknew. His people that He has a relationship even before they came on the map. Do you not know that the Scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I alone am left. And they seek my life. What is God's reply to him? I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So to the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. So he brings up scriptural foundation that when Elijah came against the false prophets of Baal and he had this tremendous victory in 1 Kings chapter 18, we move into chapter 19, he slides into this depression and he begins to run from God and he hides in a cave and God calls him out. And what Elijah believes is he's the only one left that's serving God. And God has to tell him, you're not the only one. You're not the only one just because you don't see him. I have my people everywhere. In fact, Elijah, I have 7,000 people right now who are on fire for the Lord who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Just because we can't see God working sometimes doesn't mean He's not at work. I think sometimes we look around in our culture and we say, where are all the committed Christians at? As if we're the only ones that are serving the Lord. And we look around us and we find that God never quit working. Just because it seems silent at times, just because we think everyone's falling off the deep end, especially today, the commitment level is falling. God has His remnant and God has His people because He never quits working. If you want proof of that, look at yourself. And I think that's a way we should give testimony to the Lord. We should give personal testimony like Paul did. And we should give back it up with Scripture. We've been saved by grace. Our sins have been forgiven. Look at my life. No one can doubt your personal testimony unless you have no testimony at all and the profession of faith was not real. But if you have changed your life, if God gave you a new heart and you're now walking with the Lord, there's nothing greater than giving personal testimony to put flesh on the Scriptures. 
So he gives this personal testimony. He gives this scriptural testimony. But he also gives a present testimony of God's preservation as if the Jews are saying, where is God right now? Where is the Lord right now? He has forgotten about Israel. And Paul's response would be, so too at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Paul takes the opportunity once again to show his Jewish brothers that salvation does not come by works. It comes by grace and God chose them. And yeah, maybe the majority of Israel has rejected the Savior. God has His remnant, just like in the days of Elijah. God has His remnant now. It's interesting when you look at the history of the church, you see that it began with Jews. And the foundation was Jewish people. But then as it began to expand throughout the world, there were less and less Jews coming to faith in Christ. And now you've got the days here in Rome, the church existing in Rome. And in Rome, you've got primary Gentiles. They're the ones who make up the church primarily. So naturally, it would be in the thought of the Jewish people, wait a minute. All these Gentiles are coming into the church. By the way, a Gentile is anybody who's not Jewish. So if you're not Jewish today, you're a Gentile. That's what the Bible says, Jew and Gentile. And so the Gentiles are coming into the church. These people from all over are coming to Christ. These people that are non-Jewish. And Paul says there's a remnant right now. It isn't just me. There's a remnant of believers And I think when I look at even today, there's over 14 million Jews in the world today. If you take their ethnicity and you were to go by census, there's over 14 million Jewish people in the world today. And when you count how many have come to Christ, only 350,000 of the Jewish people have come to Christ. That means only 6% of the Jews worldwide has come to Christ. God has always had a remnant because He's not done working with His people. And God's grace is the power of this preservation. It's only by God's grace. That's why if you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, you could never take credit for that. God chose you in His grace. You could never say, I work for my salvation or I've got enough good things, good deeds, and I finally got into the camp of God. No, the only way is because of God's grace. So when we look at other people, especially in our culture today, the way people are acting, the way the riots have gone, and the way coronavirus has impacted people and people's responses, you have no right to judge that. You should be saying, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there go I. And that's important to maintain even in our own salvation as we walk with the Lord. So we see God's sovereignty and His preservation of Israel, but we also see God's purpose in Israel's rejection. And this is in verses 7-15. to We see that God prophesied Israel's rejection. This was not unplanned. It was all part of the plan of God as you're going to see. He says, what then, in verse 7, Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. And we saw in chapter 10, what it was seeking was righteousness by works rather than righteousness by faith. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare 
and a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution. To them let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. And so we see that their rejection is real and their hearts are hardened. He brings up two Scriptures here. Isaiah 29.10 And in the context of Isaiah 29, where that Scripture sets is in the context of Israel's hypocrisy. They were hypocrites. In fact, it says in that chapter a few verses later that they honored Him with their lips. They honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. And so they chose to harden themselves to the Lord, and God will do that. He will harden your heart by simply releasing you as we saw. Their hypocrisy led to their own hardness. And God gave them that stupor that they could not see. In Psalm 69, verse 22, Paul quotes, it speaks of Israel's rejection of the Messiah. That that chapter is on the Messiah. That when we look and we read in those verses, their own rejection of the Messiah. So they persisted in their unbelief. This is a warning to all of us that if we continue to persist in our unbelief, our heart only gets harder and harder and harder. But we need to understand that God even in their unbelief, is not through with Israel. That's what this chapter is about. We see that Israel's rejection is only partial. That's what you see in verses 11 to 15. In verse 11, so I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Paul again says, by no means. Paul teaches like a typical Jew. He asks questions. And those questions are designed to make you think and to contemplate things. And he asks another question. Did they stumble in order that they might fall? And he says, by no means. It's kind of like the Rocky movies, right? Rocky, you know, it was one of the most popular movie series, and people loved that Rocky was an underdog. And there he is, has a shot at the world champion in the boxing ring. And there he is, he's getting beat up, plummeted, and he's stumbling all over the place. And then he eventually falls, but he gets up and he actually wins the fight. And people love a story like that. They love to hear about the underdog prevailing, the underdog persisting, the underdog obtaining the victory. And so movie after movie was about that. It was about the underdog, the impossibility of winning, the impossibility of taking a victory. And that's what Paul is saying here. They may have stumbled, but they have not fallen. Because the Jews rejected the Gospel, the Gospel went out to the Gentiles and that's His purpose. We see that taking place not just in the book of Acts, but we see it all through the New Testament because Israel rejected the Messiah because they rejected salvation in the Lord. They rejected Christ. That now the Gospel went out to all Gentiles. Pastor Tim Keller, he said there were three stages in Israel in the Gospel. Stage one was Israel trespassed. But in their trespass, they brought salvation to the Gentiles. Look at verse 11 again. By no means, rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And so we see that played out on the book of Acts over and over again. Even though the Apostle Paul was an apostle, he referred to himself apostle to the Gentiles, that he would go into the synagogues first. So what Paul wrote in Romans 1 verse 16 about, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first 
and then the Gentile, he lived that out in his life. So in the book of Acts, you see that even though he was an apostle to the Gentiles, he would go into the synagogues first. And as he went into the synagogues, he'd preach the gospel, and then this is what would happen. The majority of Jews would reject it. They would reject Paul, they would reject the gospel, and the majority would persecute him. But there were some that were believing. And as a result, the preachers turned to the Gentiles with many getting saved. So many got saved, Gentiles, and we see this constantly in the book of Acts. And now the church has become multi-ethnic as a result of their rejection. Few Jews received Christ the majority Gentiles. Acts chapter 13 is an enlightening passage, especially verses 46 to 48. It says, And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So, stage one, Israel transgressed, the Gentiles received the gospel. There's a real purpose behind that. If Israel would have received the gospel by themselves, they would have kept it to themselves. As we saw in the days of Jesus, the Gentiles were dogs. The Gentiles were second-class citizens. And so their rejection is actually working out to God's purpose. And that's why you're saved today if you're a Gentile. The nation of Israel is rejected. Stage two, the Gentiles make Israel jealous. This becomes stage two as Gentiles get saved. In verse 11, it says towards the end there, the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. If you look at verse 14, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? I think if you're a parent and you have kids, you probably know how this works a little bit. You know, you invite all your kids to play a game with you and one's in a bad mood or whatever and says, I don't want to play. And they sit out, but then all of a sudden you're playing the games and you're having fun and you're rejoicing and all of that. And they get a little bit jealous and they say, I want to play now. And that is the idea behind this, that the Jews would see the blessings that we receive in Jesus Christ, and it would provoke a jealousy, Paul says, to them. There's a real purpose there for that. You know, the world right now is looking at Christians. They're not just persecuting Christians, but they're looking at Christians. And they're looking at our response towards everything. And if we live in fear, and if we live in hatred, and if we live in bitterness, they're going to say, I don't want any of that. I don't want a God who fills your heart with that garbage. But when we live in boldness, and when we live our lives for Christ, and people see in the midst of all of that, that we have joy because we have a Messiah who died on the cross for us, and we've got everything in the world to rejoice on, then it provokes jealousy in people. People begin to say, I want some of that. That's what the idea was here with the Jewish people. That's stage two, Paul says. The Gentiles make Israel jealous. In stage three, the future acceptance of Israel is going to take place. We see it in verse 15. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So their acceptance is coming, Paul said. In verse 25, it says it's going to happen 
when the fullness of the Gentiles takes place, when every last Gentile gets saved. So we see that God preserved Israel. That even though in their unbelief, that they continue to reject the Messiah, that God preserved a remnant. And God is not done with them. And you and I have a real role. Anyone who hates Israel is not a friend of God. I can tell you that right now. So, point three, God's priority of Israel is portrayed. God's going to picture that He has a priority of Israel. The Apostle Paul is going to pen this, and he's going to use two illustrations. He's going to use one of bread, and he's going to use one of an olive tree. The illustration of bread speaks of the Gentiles are blessed because of Israel. In Numbers chapter 15, verses 17 to 21, this is what he's speaking of. First in verse 16, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So he talks about this dough offered as first fruits. And we find that in Numbers chapter 15. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into this land to which I bring you, and when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall present a contribution to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall present a loaf as a contribution, like a contribution from the threshing floor. So shall you present it. Some of the first of your dough, you shall give to the Lord as a contribution throughout your generations. And the idea of the first fruits was that when you present the first to the Lord, the rest of the loaf is blessed. When you present your first fruits to the Lord, that's why we talk about tithes and first fruits. We believe that when God brings income in, that we give the first fruits of our wages to Him, acknowledging that they came from Him, and He blesses the rest of our income. And so, what He's speaking of here is that the rest of the loaf is blessed because of the first fruits offered to the Lord, and Israel are the first fruits. In other words, you and I are blessed today because of Israel's priority in God's plan. You and I are blessed today because they were the first fruits. You and I reap the blessings and the benefits of what started with Israel. Now, the illustration, the olive tree means really Gentiles are warned. And that's in verses 17 to 24 as you move through there. We're going to see that the Gentiles are warned. He's going to give this illustration of an olive tree. And we know that the olive tree represents Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 16 to 17, it says, The Lord once called you a green olive tree, beautiful with good fruit, but with the roar of a great tempest, He will set fire to it, and the branches will be consumed. The Lord of hosts who planted you has decreed disaster against you because of the evil that the house of Israel and the house of Judah have done, provoking me to anger, by making offerings to Baal. And then Hosea, that's not the end of the story. Chapter 14, verses 4 to 6. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger is turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive. And his fragrance like Lebanon. And so as we look at this illustration, we must understand that the illustration is speaking of Israel. And there's a warning, first of all, to Gentiles, to you and me, against arrogance. Because if you notice what Paul just wrote, Paul was talking about the Gentiles, and Paul was talking about Israel being hardened. 
You can only imagine how a Jewish believer would respond hearing that for the first time, or some that are non-believers, Jewish non-believers. And so Gentiles would likely become arrogant, and so Paul is telling them, you have nothing to boast about. You have nothing to boast about. In fact, if it wasn't for Israel, you wouldn't even be reaping the blessings of the Lord. Look what he goes on to say. Verse 17, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977